Hello and welcome to the Lock In Podcast, the show that lifts the lid on the pub trade by those working in it. I'm the morning advertiser's Ed Bennington, and with me as ever are my delightful co-hosts, James Cuthbertson and Heath Ball. This episode, we're going to be looking at the challenging financial situation facing the pub sector. Heath has lately found himself, like many operators, struggling to make ends meet. Loss of business during the lockdown, following by escalating energy costs and spiralling staff wages, has meant he's trying to tighten his belt to the extent that he's only been able to visit San Sebastian twice this month. And France. And France. There I we think go. There's, wasn't there? Yeah, no, you're right. All right. Well, James, on the other hand, doesn't pretend to understand the concept of tightening his belt. Or is that a girdle? I don't know. It's more a constant loosening, isn't it? I'll tell you what it was. It was very, very telegraphed and obvious, but thank you, Edward. I, I thought so. I thought I'd... Uh, I mean, you are Much literally just... Food is just arriving at the table in front of me just to prove my point. Yeah, exactly. Um, Man's on the week. Pub, man. I mean, I'm it's enjoying the industry. Thank you. Well, thank you for eating and chewing on the uh, on the recording here. I'm sure it'll be delightful. Everyone will love to hear your mm. masticating. So, uh, oh, no, I wasn't doing that. <laughs> 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 Not on Valentine's night. <laughs> <laughs> Moving swiftly on, on yeah. <laughs> Love it when you do this. Yeah, thank you. Uh, as I said, we'll be looking at finance in this episode. We're welcoming back a previous guest, uh, Chris Warden of First Business Rescue, who will be talking about debt management. We'll also be talking about escalating utility challenges with the BII, Steve Alton, and hearing from crowdfunding specialist Clive Revel about, oddly enough, crowdfunding. We're also recording this episode in the recently refurbished Cadogan Arms, and we'll be catching up with MD... Isn't it Cadogan? Cadogan, yeah. This yeah, I think it's near the I knew I was going to mangle that. I should have spelled it phonetically. <laughs> Cadogan <laughs> Arms. It's not that hard. Anyway, standards, we start that again. Thanks. No, I don't think so, do you? No. I mean, what, we have no airs and graces, do we? No. No, there we go. But we'll be catching up with MD Dom Jacobs to talk about investment as well, and how you pronounce his pop's name. Uh, it's probably going to be on that uh, on that agenda. For all that, what's been going on, guys? What's 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 got Heath ranting this week? Because let's face it, you're in a really good mood at the moment, and I just started on you as you shoveled food into your mouth. It's Valentine's Day, Ed. I know, that's why I'm here with you I, two. I, I can't, like, honestly. It winds me up. Um, but anyway... Um, was it 12% wage increase across hospitality sector that was reported in the news today as a, yep. as a good thing? Good news story. Is it good really news. a good thing? Well, I don't think you tell me. Well, not of course really. not. All we're doing is we're just we're in a bidding war with each other to get staff. We're getting people coming and trying to poach our staff. And all we're doing is driving prices up of people who really sometimes aren't that good at what they do. And they're, going to, they're getting paid a lot more money to go, it's just... When you say sometimes... <laughs> you know, are you talking about your own stuff no, I'm just talking or? about stuff in general. I'm I mean, just, it's, I'm it's hard enough getting people as now. And then you've got all these people coming in with big budgets and new openings and just trying to poach people. Mm. So you're, It's not sustainable. Yeah, it's not sustainable. And then they're just going to keep on going poach, 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 poach. And to what point? Well, chefs have had that run for a, for a while now haven't they yeah. do you know what I mean so what do you think the, 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 the kind of problems we've had with the chefs is now going to be translating across well, the piece oh, you're paying top money for crap average chefs mm. aren't you really mm. I mean we've already established your wives don't listen to this but clearly your staff don't as well so I didn't hear my staff well, they wouldn't tell them anyway <laughs> but um, yeah but it's, it's a tough one like we're in a you know I mean all these things and all these good news stories and there's so many people in hospitality and they're earning 50 grand a year yeah they need all this pay rise they need all this because everything's got expensive yeah and they do it's not that they don't in some ways no one deserves to earn you want to earn less 
But the cost of living is just the problem is the operators aren't being compensated. Back to this whole issue about rating and all the rest of it. You know, there's no. We seem to be the one that want to need to absorb. You're being squeezed. All the that, increased costs. That middle. Our consumer won't take it. Yeah. So where do we put the prices up? The prices up, and then what? Well, you, I mean, you're going to have to, aren't you? What else do you do? <laughs> yeah. Then all you have is people coming and going. Oh, I went there the other day. So much more expensive than it was before. And you're like, really? Do you watch the news? And then basically everyone just goes to Weatherspoons. Mm. I got my first. It's all that'll be left. Yeah, I got my first. Uh, was it uh, electricity bill at the red after? Like coming out of contract, and it's three thousand pounds was sixteen hundred. Mm-hmm. It's just going to keep on going up and up. Like, mm-hmm. how do you absorb that? Do you know, really, you pass it on to your customers, but how long are they going to like that? Well, I mean, ultimately, I think it's going to be a situation. This is going to be across the board, isn't it? It's not just you guys having to put your prices up. Everyone is going to have to put their prices up. So everyone is consumers are going to have to suck it up if they want to go oh, out. If, if you're a retailer, though, you've got price. You've got price increases over every supplier mm. it's not just one thing not just electricity or you, you know it's, it's mm. all your food mm. Mm. It's, it's, just ev- it's just everything but that is the same for everyone we're all in the same boat aren't we whether you're a restaurant but I suppose we end up where we were before like we're it's like the ones that people really want to go to the pubs and the restaurants mm. they really want to go to are really going to survive and we're just going to lose that bottom end of the market and everybody goes oh but it, it's weeding out the, the thing but we need diversity in the range of pubs yeah. and restaurants we go to it all can't it all can't be the ones the strongest ones keep that customers out of your pub it's not it all can't be the ones that are the strongest to survive we do need diversity in the, in the yeah. trade and restaurants so yeah. we can't just all be like the, 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 the you know the, the top operators fighting it out because it's mm. not going to work I mean a lot of people talk about the pubs as being an affordable treat <laughs> not I mean, some carriages well, <laughs> <laughs> you have to jump in there without that yeah. yeah 88 uh, quid a steak's good yeah. uh, but I mean that is that, that's always been the kind of thing hasn't it I mean are we going to re- remain that affordable trip nah we're not you know I suppose Witherspoons will but even then you go to Witherspoons their prices have gone up mm-hmm. you know what I mean hmm. now 70p a pint <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know man we're, we're in a like it goes back I, I think it all goes back to the the government's got no no respect for what we do. But they know we innovate. We, we know we're creative. Yeah, they know that we'll adapt. They know that. They know that we'll, we'll adapt. But they still got no respect for what we do. So, but you, you will know. adapt, won't you? I mean, this yeah, is you the will. Thing, you like, you'll you'll yeah, hustle the... it out. But it's it, it's tiring. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like we've done two years of like been innovating and trying to bounce around COVID and do that and do that. And it's just like it's every time you know you think you're getting ahead, you know we get another slap down. The you know it's mm. just electricity, well, gas. Wasn't there a survey this week about consumers thinking pubs were or hospitality was over treated more generously uh, or something? The, the, no. uh, the raising the raising the bar report. I think it was by the all parliamentary. Um, uh, past group for beer, I think, did a, mm. uh, did a survey of, of, of trade and consumers, and apparently 60% of consumers disapprove of the level of government support that the sector receives. Go and live in Germany then, go and live in France. Look how much money they got. Or Ukraine. Well, oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, but they got a lot more money than us. They did. Like America. Did, well, America, in America yeah. got millions for his sites. Mm. We, you know what I mean? Again, do not value it. We don't deserve it. We're just the pub. We're not that bright. That's the dialogue I yeah, hear from customers. Yeah. And it's true, though. Yeah, is it? Yeah, Do you yeah. know what I mean? And it's just like, it just winds you up. They've got no respect. Government's got no respect. Punters have got no respect. But yet they love pubs, and they want the pubs to be like, oh, I could just walk into the pub and have a drink. Why can't I do it, that anymore? It, it's the same it's when they moan pub. they lose their village pub. They haven't been there for two years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, 
the one thing though, I mean, there's a story broke today, and this morning as we were recording this, the Inkel Action Group has just been sold, it's got new owners. I mean, that's it, it, not to Rooney, amazingly. Um, but that shows people are still, despite what you're saying, listen, listen, here's the, here's the reality. Still if, want you get, to invest. Yeah, if you do, you get it right, and you work hard, and you've got a good plan, you can make a lot of money. Mm. That's the reality. Oh, the Rooney thing is just a get big game monopoly. No? Just collect this, I, I, collect that. I mean, how can you possibly put. How can in, you possibly in that, put infrastructure in, in, I mean, that? yeah, potentially it's a property play, isn't it? Yeah. But there are others that are investing into it. Listen, there's money. Because they there, there's money in hospitality. You get it right, there's money in it. And if you get your head around, like we were with a friend the other week um, talking, he's got a restaurant, he's doing really, really well. Mm. Like, mm. we do okay. Like, we're not, you know, I can cry from that. We actually do okay. We don't. But it's. It's, a get back it's harder to, than it should be. It's, it's a lot harder than it should be. Do you know what I mean? Like, all these things, all these increases all the time. You know, I don't trust this government. For no respect. I don't, I don't know where... I mean, I've never picked up on that. Yeah. Do you get that thing? He's, he's not a fan? Yes, uh, but listen, it's not much better anywhere else in the bloody world. And the pointing out the window, James, doesn't work on a podcast, by the way. Can I just... That guy's coat. It, it's a very multicoloured coat. It's Valentine's Day, James. Leave him alone. Well, I mean, we'll come on to that in a second, because this might be the source of heat scrumpiness today. But... Boris stood up in a couple of weeks, maybe less. He's going to end all restrictions, potentially. Uh, Wales have just thought about maybe losing the passports and masks. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not behind the curve at all on that, but what do we think? Are we, uh, are we applauding Boris? Boris are wondering what he's hiding. I think no, just I, a I distraction. Think it, you know, as operators, I'm caught in two minds. It's great. Let's get rid of all the restrictions. Let's get back to trading. But don't trust them. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's just a constant structure. I was listening to the radio this morning. Some guy reckons that um, Putin's helping Boris out. Putin's helping Boris out by um, by by causing all this trouble down in Ukraine. Mm. To help yeah, Boris yeah. get the destruction away. That's a good friend. My mates wouldn't even cross the road. The help. No, it's true. He's <laughs> <laughs> talking about you, though, James. exactly. Um, conscious of time, we, we need to move on, but I think it is Valentine's Day. Um, obviously, that's probably why he's grumpy because his wife's probably expecting him to take her out to dinner, isn't it? I know, I've, already, I've no. already made that clear. And she promised me she was going to cook dinner tonight, and I'm pretty sure she won't. I was going to say, so yeah, I'm yeah. going to be, I said, I told her I'm working. I'd rather be at work watching couples be miserable than be me being at home. Hang on, I thought miserable. you were taking change in my house to dinner. I always snigger though when there's a table of three on Valentine's night. You think, oh yeah. Maybe, Do you not? Maybe, my mind. Maybe what, are you, what are you thinking? Well, I'm just thinking. Gonna you know, what, take, freeway. Take the, Heath, I wasn't going to say oh, that. No, I wasn't going to say that. Exactly, I wasn't going to say it. I wasn't being mucky. Heath, that's what you did there. Yeah, and no, I do think a bit mucky like that. Fair enough. Actually, on that note, let's end this one here. You're listening to the Lock-In Podcast and we're talking finances. We've gone through a long period of disturbed and disturbing trading and with prices going up, operators are going to be struggling to balance the books. We've got Chris Warden here with us today from First Business Rescue and he's going to be giving us some advice on key issues for operators to be thinking about. So Chris, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me down. Uh, we, we've had you on before. I think we, we've touched on some of this, but maybe we can dig a little bit more into it. I mean, what, what should operators be thinking about at the moment? We've got March faster approaching it's that sort of almost like cliff edge of debt that's going to come sort of pouring on to people what should operators be thinking about how should they be sort of uh, budgeting and, and, and looking at the, at the current market I, I think the most important thing is is they have accurate information you know now's the time is to look at your numbers look at your cash flows do some detailed projections um, 
you know, it, it's important to see things as they are, not worse than they are. But, but at what point is your business event? We, we, we talked about it earlier, pinch points. Yeah. Now, the, you know, the, the problems that your industry's facing at the moment with these projections is everything keeps going up. Yeah. You know, you've got your energy uh, energy prices that are going out of control. From what the chaps I speak to in this industry, it, it's everything else as well. Mm. You know, you know, food national minimum wage yeah, yeah. you know that there's anything that's inflationary is a, is a problem and arguably you're one of the worst hit industries not only from what happened you know a couple of years ago but inflation's really giving you know your bottom line a kick in mm. so yeah I think the, you've just got to be aware of what's coming get detailed management information um, I would say you know negotiate hard with suppliers I mean still do that but you know, it's, they're it's under the same easy, pressures, aren't they? Exactly. Well, yeah. So, you know, it's um, it's easy to say try and get a better deal, but but sadly, I, I mean, we, we spoke about it a minute ago, Heath. What what was the you know the the energy prices that you guys are? Oh God, it's three. It was sixteen hundred a month to three grand. Mm. And I'm out of contract. I'm sitting out of contract, waiting to for a decent contract. And the guys I use to look at our our electricity is just saying, like, don't go into contract with anybody. You've got a better rate right now until Eon, until they push it up, just sit where you are. But it's so much money. How do you budget for that? It's like, well, I mean, no, the irony is, I mean, we've been talking about the sort of uh, the, the end of the moratoriums, you know, and lots of lots of this debt coming due in March for quite some time. But we weren't also factoring in the the these energy increases, you know, the general inflationary pressures. I mean, none of this was even being talked about until sort of fairly recently really wasn't it, it, it it's come up so I mean it, it, it's a tsunami of, mm. of extra problems and not helped by the nervousness of war as well you know I mean, seriously well, that, I mean that's not going to help any that, market that, that, well they're saying that could, that could affect our, our gas prices mm. even though we get stuff yeah. from Norway and the North Sea yeah, yeah. still we you know we could be real trouble yeah I think you know just some practical advice with debts that are falling due um you know, whether it's C-bills, you know, bounce-back loans. You, there is a thing called pay-as-you-grow. It will ease your cash flow. You get onto your bank, you can have um, a six-month payment holiday. If you've already exhausted that, which a lot of people have, you can go on to interest only three times during the term of your loan. Right. Um, so, so, again, if you get... Also, for people that haven't, you can, re, you can extend that bounce-back loan from six years to ten years. It's going to bring you... you your payments down by almost half now please anyone who's listening bear in mind if you use one of these options you're going to pay more interest but the the money's that cheap yeah Um, and remember it's non-secure as well so if you can just kick it down the line a little bit to hope that you you know your trade um trade improves um i said it on the last time i was here if you've got hmrc arrears guys even if you're in a time to pay arrangement my advice if you are struggling to, to uh, you know, make ends meet, get back on the phone to the revenue and, and, and play hardball with them. It, certainly if you're a limited company, and I think most people are in the industry now, you can say to them, listen, if you force me into liquidation, it's highly likely the revenue will get nothing. Mm. Now, don't, you know, be careful how you talk to them. Um, but at the end of Heath. the day, yeah. <laughs> the the day they are flexible, they're being lenient, have some time to pay arrangements, go over three years, which was unheard of before COVID. And um, 
you know you, you've got the power when you're dealing with the revenue you, you, you know you, you, you've got a lot of power because they want their money in it some way they're just going to have to wait for it with a lot of people so get back on the phone and and, uh, and negotiate hard with the revenue will that, um, will that impact their credit status? no no, no. So no, interest only's and things like that won't impact there. Uh, so bounce back loans, as long if a bounce back loan goes into default, okay, yeah. it will impact the business's credit status. Yeah. But if it goes into default, it's highly likely that the business is <laughs> it's come to an end anyway. Yeah. So it's in a liquidation. So yeah, and, and dealing with the revenue. It's not public knowledge if you have a time to pay arrangement with it with the revenue. The only time that the world knows that you've got a revenue issue um, is if you do something called a CVA, company yep. voluntary arrangement, where you lump all your unsecured debts into one pot and you pay it over an extended period of time, generally yeah. five years. But you know, it's not a golden bullet because you'll, you'll struggle to get a pack of fags on credit if you're in a CVA. You know, it's yeah. something that needs to be thought long and hard about. Yeah. I mean, you talked about sort of uh, you had three interest-free options or, or times you could do it mm-hmm. with a bounce back. Is that just sort of month on a month? No, you can, sorry, you can you, go you can go interest-free for six months, Ed. Right. So you can do three lots of six months interest-free right. throughout the term of the year. Uh, to, so it might be when cash flow's tight. You, you know, it's. Um, Th- these are difficult months, aren't they? Mm. January, January, February, March. To we, you know, we sort of Easter and and get the better weather. So, and it's really easy to to, to do this, guys. You log on to the account that you was given the loan through, and there should be payment options, and it it's a click of a button. So, and and the banks being helpful with this I mean or, or are we I mean I know there's, there's sort of degrees of uh, variation but I mean are, are they generally being helpful with this or is it, I think we talked about it was a bit of a surprise when we talked about this last time yeah. I didn't realise you could do that mm-hmm. maybe because banks weren't publicising it I, I, I think the banks are lost if I'm honest you, you, you know it's like that there are people there are businesses that cannot afford these bounce back loans mm-hmm. they cannot they took them in the right manner yeah. They were entitled to them. You know, they've spent the money on what they should have been spent on. And it's getting to the point where, right, that they, they, well, they can't afford to pay it. They can't even afford a liquidator's fees. Right. So they're on the phone to me. They're going, mm. what do I do? I said, well, speak to the bank and tell them. Ask them to, to wind you up. You know, close me down because I, I, I can't afford to run. I'm not trading. The banks don't seem to know what to do with it. Right. So um, I think the pay-as-you-grow option is really helpful. You, you know, it gives you some breathing space. Just to reiterate, you can re-extend, you can restructure your loan from six years to ten years. You can get a interest-only break three times during that term of six months each, and you can also do a one-time six months without a payment. Remember, your interest goes up ever so slightly, mm. but. You know, it's it, it's anything at the moment to ease cash flow. What, what grinds on me though is us honest and trustworthy operators are paying these loans back. We're doing the best we can, and there was so much fraud mm-hmm. with it. It's all getting written off, and you're sitting there going, "Great, mm-hmm. all those people have got away. They're all on holiday, yeah. or whatever, doing all this money, and we're sitting here a- paying these loans back." Name it? No, no, don't please don't. Uh, names, no. names, if you want. No, but, no. no. Um, but yeah, it just it just seems, you know, like you know, I, I took great, I'll pay it back and that's the way I work and that's the way we work in business. But it just seems like well how much how much was the fraud on it? 
it was an obscene figure. Oh, yeah. Oh, obscene. Yeah. yeah. And here we are paying these loans back and everyone's mm. trying to get back on our feet. The government's going to bring VAT back up. We're just, like, it, it seems like we're just getting hit with all these barrage of costs and it's just like, cut us a break. Do you know? I mean, go on, Chris. I mean, let, let, let me just, um, I know there's been in, in the press recently that Sunak's saying a lot of this is going to be written off to fraud. So, what we're seeing right now is the insolvency service are jumping on people that have inflated turnover. Now, the banks are even doing this now, because I don't know if you remember, when you, when you applied for your you loan, had to do, it was... Yeah, percentage of your turnover. Yeah, but it was self-certification. Okay. Yes. So, there were businesses that, that got 50 grand in their account the day after that, that had never had that type of money, they weren't entitled to it. Okay. Now, the banks never checked on day one, but retrospectively now, we've had inquiries where... The banks have, have gone, well, you, you wasn't entitled to that turnover, and they're claiming the money, and they're going, we want the money back. Oof. Oh, right, okay. Now, so so they're getting away with it. If, if, if somebody is, so when you... Are they, are they worried that you can't afford to pay it back, so they want to get it now, so that you're not in a position where you're going to default? Well, I, I'm not sure the motivation, but there was one... Um, I've had this a lot from the property industry who took the loans, they took more than, I'm generalising here, yeah. but they took the loans and they, they've used it for property deals or they've used it, other businesses have used it to lend other companies mm. money. Now, when you took the loan, you had to certify that this would be for the benefit of that company that took it. Mm -hmm. So, regardless if, it, if someone goes into an insolvency procedure, because, listen, if you go into a liquidation, an insolvency practitioner is going to look at the conduct of the director. Now, anybody who tells you any difference lying to you, and the key things they're going to look at are, were you entitled to take the loan? Did you take the right amount? But also, what have you spent the money on? Now, if you've spent the money on running the business, you know, HMRC, general business costs, and it's the end of the line, and you've tried your best, well, the, the loan will be written off. Okay, I mean, we're all going to pay for it, aren't we? In fact, yeah, yeah. our kids' kids will pay for this. Mm -hmm. But if there's been any wrongdoing, any misfeance, you know, misappropriation of company phone funds, we are seeing the insolvency service go, go for the jugular. Big disqualification. Oh, I've heard some stories of people that have bought art. I mean, like, oh, you know what I mean? I've heard some stories you've just gone, wow, okay. There will be a reckoning then. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm conscious of time, Chris. I mean, just to, just to ramp up, I mean, if you are unfortunately faced with, you know, having to wind your business up, um, what, what would your, your key advice be there uh, to operate? I think the key advice is take advice early. You, you, you know, um, liquidation can be avoided. If you go early enough, you know, there are restructuring tools that you can use. I touched on the CVA. We are seeing a lot of operators now who have had viable businesses up to COVID and it's just knocked the wind out of them. So they've got a good business, they might have revenue debt, they might have a C-bills or a bounce-back loan. They're considering pre-packs where they... This business that's insolvent is not going to survive they set up a new company with the same directors, they legally purchase the assets of the old company, you know, that could be Goodwill, Fixtures and Fittings, even the company <laughs> name, and they're starting again debt-free. You've got to be careful, it, it, it's, a, it's a, it needs to be a well-thought-out procedure, this, and it's not suitable for, for everybody. For years there's been some scrupulous operators that have done that mm -hmm. in our industry, who've just, that's the way they've operated. 
Oh, you had a bit of trouble. Right, clean it up and just reopen. Mm. You know, and it's done, out, it's done us no favours. But what you are seeing as well, again, the scrutiny on this, this, this phoenixing, mm. which yeah. is known, and, it, and it's not popular. The insolvency service are looking at that closer now. But again, if, you, if you're there and if you're doing it just to avoid paying your debt and you're going to do it again, that... You, you're going to get tripped up mm-hmm. but if it's the only option that you can continue to go through and you can prove that this business model is viable it might be something you want to look at equally you know if it's the end of the road and we're seeing it, it is the end of the road for a lot of establishments closing the business down and making sure that you do it without making the creditors positions any worse <laughs> you know liquidating the business and, and sort of throwing the keys back listen back the, the, these rules can be abused sadly you, yeah. you know and that, that's the reality of it. it and it's sad and it's sad for people that get taken in these liquidations and it, it's harder for you guys who are trying to operate on a, on a level playing field I mean, what I want to say to people is, if they've got coarser concern over their businesses, having a chat early about their options, because there's certain things that people need to be aware of. In insolvency, generally, um, we're quite disruptive in what we do. We, we, we are an advice is to the director on day one and go, listen, this is where you may fall down a hole. We look at overdrawn directors' loans, any misfeasance claims. People will walk blindly into a liquidation, pay four grand thinking the problem's going away, and three months down the line, they're having letters being chased for tens, perhaps hundreds of thousands of pounds. And a lot of the time, it's avoidable. People don't know the questions to ask in these scenarios, which makes them really, really vulnerable. And again, I'm talking out there to the honest operators. You know, if you've done something wrong, you will get penalised you know it's uh, nobody can turn a blind eye to this type of thing good stuff okay well we are out of time so seek advice early it's probably the uh, the brilliant thank you very much Chris yeah thank you cheers thanks for inviting us lads cheers pleasure This is the Lock-In Podcast for myself, Ed Beddington, James Cuthbertson and Heath Ball. We're focusing on all things money in this episode and we're going to have a chat about crowdfunding with Clive Raffel, who is an SME marketing and crowdfunding specialist. Welcome, Clive. Thank you very much, Ed. Good stuff. I mean, so to start, let, let's put a hypothetical situation to you. Uh, Heath is running a really popular pub, and all these locals really love him and his business. I did say it was hypothetical. <laughs> uh, he wants to launch a new site, but he lacks the funding to do it. How can he tap into that love and turn it into cold, hard cash? Um, There's straightforward ways of using uh, donations crowdfunding. Uh, for things like that Um, it's got a a loyal customer base so that's people who are predisposed to contribute to uh, your business expansion ideas and uh, a common way of doing it is to uh, reward people with incentives, with perks that makes it reward based crowdfunding Uh, and it's really a way of being able to bring forward your income from your proposed expansion it may be things as straightforward as as if you donate £50 today I'll give 
give you credit of £100 behind the bar. Mm. You've got to work out what your long-term liabilities are going to be, but if you've got a strong customer base, things like that can be very successful. Isn't that what Gary Usher did up in... Yeah, yeah, Liverpool. Liverpool. Yeah. Up that way, up north. Yeah, Ga Gary Usher, um, yeah, celebrity chef up in Merseyside. He's launched five restaurants uh, using significant amounts raised uh, from Kickstarter in just that way of bringing forward uh, income. Part of me is almost like, though, but hold on. Surely <laughs> you can finance these yourself now. Do you know, is that like, as an operator, I'm thinking like... Well, then you've got to that scale. You mean, yeah, he's, yeah, he's just, got well, the you just go to the bank and say, this is what I'm doing, this is my cash flow, this is what I've got. Can you me some cash? I assume there's advantages to doing it the way he does it. There, there are advantages to crowdfunding because beyond just the actual amount of money that can be raised, what you're doing is rewarding customers uh, and, and tying them in even closer. Um, and for some new businesses, they see it as a way of creating a network of uh, brand ambassadors who are going to work hard, give uh, give strong word of mouth to all their friends and contacts. There was, um, and as you say, for existing businesses, um, I met uh, the chief exec, Fraser Thompson, of Chapel Down Wines. Mm. And um, in 2014, they raised, I think it was £3.9 million in 10 days. And he'd, he'd got VCs queuing up to invest, and they wanted to diversify. They were building a brewery to produce mm. their yeah. curious brew range of beers. And um, he, he told me he had VCs queuing up to invest in it. But he wanted to go down the route of crowdfunding, and he he gained from it one and a half thousand personal investors who were brand ambassadors. And he said, never mind the money, so getting them on board was priceless. Right. Okay. I mean, it's obviously done Brewdog. I mean, to, to mention the Brewdog, they they pioneered it to a certain extent within that, and, and to have those fan fanboys almost, it's like the Apple thing, isn't it? Yeah, they, they, yeah, they look like idiots or, now. I mean, it's debatable the, the long term. Uh, well, no, because I think the problem with that was that they genuinely believed what they were doing was getting a slice of the business. Mm -hmm. And I think they were very cute how they did it. And I think how they, you know, they positioned it was, I think it's, for me, it wasn't what it said on the tin. Yeah. Because when you see them being invested into, these people were generally expecting a windfall. Yeah. They wanted to phone up and say, well, what's my money worth now? I'm sorry, it's not like, it doesn't work like that. Um, but they get 10% off online forever, you know. But, so they're about, I think they, they are one of the worst examples. Let's, let, let's maybe just step back. I mean, Clive, just give us a nutshell. I mean, what, what is, in its pure assessment, what is crowdfunding? For those Crowd, for crowdfunding is a means for uh, businesses to secure funding, getting relatively small amounts from a large number of people, rather than going to a bank manager or some other lender and trying to get the whole lot in, in an all or nothing conversation. You can make your pitch online with video, pitch deck, written words and photos and whatever, and put your message out to uh, a, a vast number of people. Mm. And, and I mean, for, from a... a, a somebody looking to invest into crowdfunding I mean what are the benefits to that why, why, why would you do it I mean as James said you know, it, it's not like necessarily the standard kind of thing is it just tapping into that that love for a business or, okay. or can it be a viable investment um, 
there are, uh, I mean, going back to the example that you said earlier with, with Heath, I mean, if people want to have a vested interest in maintaining a an existing business that they like and they want to be able to go back to, but you mentioned um, using crowdfunding to make an investment and uh, it's uh, it really opened the way, democratised being able to invest in privately owned companies. Uh, some of those are very exciting um, and uh, there are lots of reasons to, to get involved. I mean one is um, the benefits available through HMRC. I mean it's very rare that we talk about the good things they do mm -hmm. but I mean someone putting money into a crowdfunding project for a business that's registered under the enterprise investment scheme I mean as soon as you've pledged your money you can start claiming 30% of it back from uh, from the HMRC okay. if, if, the, if the business goes belly up you can claim back even more if the business is successful uh, the returns are sheltered from capital gains tax so, so it's going to use my bounce back line. I was going to say <laughs> <laughs> then, then, then there are other benefits that the uh, individual uh, fundraisers may uh, be prepared to offer um, at the weekend I was up at the um, East London Liquor Company distillery yeah. in Mile End, uh, picking up my, my t-shirt and, uh, and my bottle of gin as, as my reward for being uh, an investor in their latest round of crowdfunding. Um, I went to um, an, an event organised by a, a craft brewery that had raised money on crowdfunding. I met a guy, all he did was invest in all sorts of crowd breweries all over. This was his hobby. Um, he stood long term, potentially, to make a good financial return, but that wasn't what drove him. He'd, he'd retired. Um, it, it, this was his hobby. He, so, he liked going to the events, meeting like-minded people. So it's almost an opportunity to tap into some of those uh, sort of enthusiastic. And, of, uh, and there were a number of breweries that offered him um, uh, an online discount. Right. Okay. Uh, for buying things, so you, you can work out the uh, the equation. Yeah. How much have I got to buy online mm. to save enough money that's paid for the initial amount that I've put in the first place? So people end up being like a free shareholder yeah, yeah. while they're enjoying the product yeah um, I mean it, it, from a from the operator's point of view if they're, they're looking to set up a crowdfunding thing you know, it, it sounds too good to be true what are the pitfalls what should they be thinking about uh, when, when they're looking to do this um, pitfalls um, one of the biggest things that people underestimate is how much hard work is involved in a group. Right. I mean, there's everything that has to be created and put together if you were just going to go to the, the bank or, or whatever, or angel investors or high net worth individuals. You've got to have your business plans, the projections, and, and uh, all the legals sorted out. But on top of that, I mean, it's not a case with crowdfunding. If you just put all this online, sit back and put your feet up for a few weeks and then come back and see what's happened this takes real concerted effort to keep driving it sometimes months before the crowdfunding actually starts because you have to build up a network of people the biggest thing about crowdfunding is that you need a crowd there are the crowdfunding platforms that have got their own networks of investors but they expect anyone who's raising money particularly those selling equity to bring a crowd with them as well so, yeah, so, so hard work is, is the biggest thing. You've got to have skin in the game to, uh, to be well, able to Well, skin in the game and, yeah, as I say, there's this effort that's got to go into it. I mean, I've, I've spoken to people 
who were considering using crowdfunding. I've spoken about all this uh, intensity of what's largely social media effort that's needed. And they said, oh, that's okay. My kids use Facebook. They'll do it. And I'm having to say, no. No, this is, you know, I, I say, look, get someone in to take some of the daily load off you from your, your, the regular work that you do. Um, do not consider a holiday. Do not have anything to do with people that are ill, which would have been particularly relevant uh, during COVID. You, you can't risk not being there. Um, you may have people wanting to invest in you or check out what you're doing who are in other time zones. Well, these requests for more information or a discussion could be coming in 24-7. Work out how you're going to be able to handle that. Yeah, so it's, it's a lot more effort than applying to the bank. It, it is, uh, but uh, as I say, at, at the back end of it, you can get not only the money that's needed, but also you've recruited a whole new network of people to support your product, your brand, your company, yeah, or, yeah. or you've further rewarded existing customers and really lifted them higher up the brand loyalty ladder. Yeah. I mean, James Heath, is it something that you would consider? I don't know. I had a mate who's in finance. He described it to me as crowdfunding as the PPI claim of the future. And he's quite smart, so I was a bit like, oh, okay. We've talked about it. We have talked about it. It's My concern is having a lot of my customers coming in in my new venture and telling me what they don't like and what I should do. You get that anyway. I I get that anyway. <laughs> but I don't like people telling me what to do. So you imagine, oh, Heath, you, you should do this. And have you thought like, about... Um, you'd just be sitting there going, oh, fuck off. <laughs> but you'd be like, oh, God, you put some money in. Oh, okay, yeah, great idea. Red curtains, great. I'll do that. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I mean, is that, is that something you've you found? Do you find that they, they're, because yes, yeah. they've got a, a sense of entitlement, that then they think the business well, is yeah. just... Yeah, people who do get carried away with a sense of entitlement, then. but there are ways to be able to use that positively to, to create forums of customers and and organise that kind of response on your terms. Could you just get crowd leave from another country? <laughs> <laughs> no one who's actually going to visit. <laughs> The, um, you, you say that uh, as an aside, but there has just been uh, 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 an introduction of harmonised uh, regulations for crowdfunding right across the EU, which still includes the UK, despite Brexit, uh, which is going to open up uh, cross-border funding for UK businesses among people right across Europe. And, and to his point about um, uh, PPR, I mean, do you think that's a fair comment? There are very few, but there have been some cases, some examples of the Financial Conduct Authority telling the crowdfunding platforms that they've got to repay money to investors because they reckoned that the, the crowdfunding platform hadn't... Um, perform due diligence in checking through the claims that were being made by the people who, who <coughs> wanted okay. the money. Right. Uh, or, or they had raised the money and then did something different yeah. with, with it, which was different to what they put forward in like their, their prospectus yeah. uh, at the outset. Um, so it's happened a few... So there's regulation. Few times, but it has happened sometimes. Yeah, yeah these equity crowdfunding platforms, they're, they're regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. Mm -hmm. um, the biggest issue they've got is that they're... Um, there's so many things that they've got to be looking at. They're understaffed, uh, and at the moment they're all threatening to go on strike under um, a threatened uh, new different sort of pay structure regime. Okay. So, problems, uh, problems. Uh, we are pretty much out of time, but, but Clive, thank you for that. I mean, uh, in some 
summary, it sounds like it, it's worth looking at as an operator, um, but perhaps not something just to take lightly. It's a lot of work. There's a lot of commitment to it. Um, it sure is, yeah. Um, thanks very much for the opportunity to talk to you about this today. Cheers. Thank you, Clive. You're listening to the Lock In Podcast and it's time to look at a serious issue for all operators at the moment and that's the booming cost of utilities. To help us with that, we've got the fantastic Steve Alton from the BII joining us down the line. Steve, welcome. How are you? Good to have you. I mean, what are you hearing from members at the moment? You've, you've actually done a survey, haven't you? Um, I mean, what, what kind of things are coming through from that? Well, I mean, we'll talk about inflation in a second, but, you know, the time that inflation's hitting them, it's profitably for many, most were down between 20 and 40%. Uh, Pandemic-specific debts, repayments have started to happen, but still we've got around £40,000 average debt per pop. Uh, and one in three are out of cash. You know, the ones that they've got it, probably got a couple of months at best. So it's, it's pretty desperate. And then they're just seeing, you know, in, in huge rises, not just through utilities, which we'll come back to, but, you know, food and drink prices and wage inflation. And you've heard, again, the general press today about uh, the impact that's had on the wider kind of hospitality wage bill. So mm. all of that compounds. And, it, and it, for most of our members, it, it's running at double uh, the national inflation rate in terms of input costs. Right. And as you know, you know, what do you do with that? Because you know, passing that straight onto consumer isn't going to work for many, many pubs. You know, you've heard yourself anywhere between 25p and 50p on a pint for those that are, you know, drinks now. But, but right now, you know, we still subdue trading. We're still trying to get consumers back into the habit of coming to the pub and, yeah. and putting that kind of price rise through. Most of our members are incredibly nervous of, of doing it. So right now it's pretty tough. Should we be shining? I mean, we, we had this talk, I mean, during during the sort of the, the, the troubles and lockdowns and things like that. I know, Heath, you were very much kind of put your price up, put your price up. I mean, should we be showing away from it, though? Should we be worried about um, increasing prices at the moment? People are, a lot of the, the talk is the fact that prices yeah, but aren't how do you, going up. How do you carry it, though? Well, people you, you are... are people we don't, we've are, got nothing in people the People are attuned to the fact that prices are going to go up, aren't they? Yeah, but I'm well, saying this, but I'm saying you have to put them up because mm. you can't carry the... You, you can't just put yourself more and more debt because you're afraid of scaring no. customers off. Yeah. So you've got to, you know what I mean? There's got to be within reason. So. But also, if you responded to every increase on your menu, you'd just be, the numbers would be crazy. Mm. Do you know what I mean? There's somewhere mm. in between. It's a bit like you public, you're expecting the public to go, yeah, we really understand pub. We really understand it's been half year and we're happy to pay another pound for the burger. Mm. They're not. And it's a bit like when care. people say, I'm going to give myself kids health food when they're bitching in the back they'll take them through McDonald's do you know what I mean it's just yeah. not it's just double standards and I think um, I think we're kidding ourselves if we expect the consumer to be to go easy on us and understand yeah I mean Steve what, what are you saying I, th- I think it's a balance uh, you know we, we spoke about we had a big event last week uh, talking about experiential you know which is so key so you know I think first thing we're going to tackle is everybody's come out of lockdown expectations are a lot higher a lot of people have tried different food and drink concepts at home as well and, and quality is everything so I think now it, you know I talked last week at a presentation around the death of mediocrity mm. uh, and we talked about that theme before but we're very much there you know consumers will not accept now a mediocre delivery and if that's a you know a, a poorly served pint in a, in a wrong piece of glassware or you know tipping over the sides or just you know not a fresh pint or poorly presented food 
I think right now, you know, it, the game, it's going to be game over. You can get one chance to do it. Now, look, if you're delivering exceptional quality and the service is there as well, mm. and I do mean service, I mean the smile, the engagement, you know, the, the feel that great pubs generate, then you probably have got the ability to, to be a little bit more robust with pricing. But I agree with, with the other comments. You know, there, there's got to be a limit to that as you're trying to rebuild momentum. But look, the flip side is true as well. You know, GPs aren't what they are. You know, they're under tremendous pressure. And now you've got to rip through every single line item and be as, as hard and as tough and as value-driven as you possibly can. And that's, for, for you know, the member stories we've got in, the best impact is when they get the whole team on board because the whole team have an ability to influence it. So you go back to utilities, which is you know, where you started. You know, everybody needs to be really focused on you know, energy usage because, quite frankly, out there, they aren't the deals. You know, as much as the, you know, we've got some great brokers and a placement right at the energy market as a whole is in, is in a really tough spot. So it's about how do you reduce consumption and you need to go back to the basics. So we've got some brilliant members who've gone for long-term schemes. I mean, Richard Slade, one of our long-term members, he's been doing this for 12 years. You know, he's down to... 85% reduction on his carbon footprint. He's got solar. He's got wood chip. You know, he's brought the whole. In essence, he's, he's got he's a very clever insulation system through his whole site. Mm. Um, but that was a hell of a journey. This capital investment, a longer-term payback. And as I said at the start of this, a lot of our members don't have those resources. In fact, they're very nervous for taking any, any further debts on top of what they've already got because they know they're going to have to overtrade 2019 numbers now to pretty much stand still. Yeah. But equally, you know, we've got other members, Richard Holden, you know, he's just tasked the whole team. They're, they're ripping through everything from, you know, it's their yields in, the, in, their, in their draft through to basic, you know, waste management systems, through to smart use of, you know, thermostats, LED lighting. We've got all this outside space. A lot of people put ceramic heaters in and, and lighting. We've got these things on smart systems that are switched off when people aren't using those areas. So th- there's quite a lot of things that, hey, look, we know that's the opportunity the cellar door will not be insulated and be propped open. Yes. You know, so you've got a cold room leach into a warm pub. So, so you've, got, you've got to start with the basics. But equally, there are some great schemes for those that do have the ability or will or can work with landlords particularly to put longer-term investment in because this isn't going away. This is not a short-term blip. You know, we, we know we've got this... I suppose significantly greater use of power in utilities than other businesses uh, and we've got to tackle it head on equally look consumers are reaching out for uh, green credentials so I don't think it's just a you know a virtue signalling exercise one it can save you real money and two you know those that have got real green credentials I think it resonates incredibly well with consumers of today I mean, you guys I mean you've James are you, are you doing any of this are you talking to your staff are you yeah. looking at schemes yeah. I mean things like you know chefs can be quite lazy coming in the morning firing everything up then thinking about what they've got to do so you'll have your salamander on at you know nine o'clock in the morning and you actually need a service at midday Yeah. so it's just a little bit of that conversation going around yeah. um, so that would be kind of the I mean I naturally from my Scottish roots just turn the lights out when I leave the room you know so it's just <laughs> the pub's dark every day yeah. 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 whether there's customers in there or exactly. not exactly exactly so um, yeah. the, the good thing about it is all, all the staff are experiencing these same rises in you know electricity costs mm. as well mm. so when you say oh my electricity bill was 1500 now it's 3 grand uh, they go wow okay so mm close the doors turn the lights off yeah. you know what I mean the amount of times you walk into the office all the lights are yeah. on there's no need for it yeah, yeah I mean what about green initiatives are, are you are you in done anything on that is there any scope within your done some your insulating pubs? in the older pub yeah um, yeah done some double glazing you know but it's, again it's cash flow it's money mm-hmm. do you want to take on more mm-hmm. debt it's it's, it's 
we're just getting beaten. So yeah. it's just trying to choose your battles, really. You know? uh, this is a, this is the challenge, isn't it, Steve? I suppose it's all well and good to talk about you know sustainable initiatives and things like this, but it doesn't come free. Um, and and when you're looking at sort of uh, limited cash flow, and lots of debt, all the rest of it. I mean, are there any is there any help out there for operators if they're thinking about sort of putting in some kind of solar heating or solar systems? Uh, is there is there anything out there? Yeah, there are, there are schemes, there are grants. You know, this is part of a longer-term, you know, government drive. As you know, I mean, they're focusing on the kind of the EPC, so the energy, you know, performance certificates, and trying to improve, you know, the efficiency of pubs. And I think there's going to be a longer-term pressure to improve all those buildings anyway. So I'm sure there'll be further initiatives. But as the guy said, look, at the minute it's about survival, and then this is the issue. You know, we're in this incredible tight spot now where trade is still subdued. We've not bounced back. Fully, we're dragging this debt load with us, and quite frankly, now profitability is, you know, really being squeezed. So, I think as the guys intimated, it start with the basics. One is get your team on board. You know, you've got to get your team serious about this stuff. I know, you know, joking about switching the lights off when you leave the room, but mm-hmm. it, it, these are serious issues. This is a, you know, that can make a real difference when you're talking about small percentages. If it is flicking, you know, lights into LEDs, I mean, outside, you know, how many? Pubs have you seen, you know, lit up? Probably not at the right time, yeah, and that's yeah. not cheap. And and you walk know, down the high streets. There's there's things that we can change. Mm. If it's basic insulation in the roof, you know, forget forget the more complex insulation systems. There are things that we can do. But I do mm. think you've got to target your team on it. This is as important now as them not wasting beer or yeah. not doing huge food waste. Um, I think I'm absolutely right. You know, if you're firing those kitchens up, are there smarter ways of working? Is the things you can do with your with your menus that are a little bit more efficient? in that space so I think there are a lot of things you can do it's not going to make you know a wholesale difference at no. this point I think you are looking at ten. if you can get your consumption down 10 or 20% that's material to these sites yeah. and right now you know, that, that's where they're going to have to start about. yeah I remember speaking to one operator actually they'd come up with a, a fairly clever system where they colour coded the lights so that the cleaners when they came in the morning knew which ones they had to put on to do certain areas and just okay. kind of sort of controlled that so rather than in the past they'd just come in and all the lights on. Yeah. It was you only need these on for this. Yeah, just use that, which would isn't a bad thing. I can't get my cleaner to mop the floor properly. Now you want me to do the, 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 the <laughs> light switches? <laughs> <laughs> well, look. I mean, if you're getting your wife to clean the pub for you, wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, so well, I'm conscious of time. We're, we're pretty much out of it. But thank you very much for that. Some uh, some good thoughts there, uh, and things for people to think about. Cheers. Thanks, Dave. Thanks. This is the Lock-In Podcast for myself, Ed Bennington, Heath Ball and James Cuthbertson. We're focusing on finances in this episode and one area we've not yet touched upon is investment. We're recording this in the amazing Cadogan Arms in Chelsea. A recent uh, strong investment has brought this site back to life and we're delighted to be joined by MD Dom Jacobs to talk us, to us about that and other investments that uh, his business is making. So, I mean, Dom, just... Welcome, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, tell us a bit about the Cadogan Arms, I keep pronouncing that correctly because I <laughs> messed it right up at the start. So, uh, so the Cadogan, uh, I think that's correct, um, we uh, opened in July uh, right. 2020, so we actually opened, sorry 2021, we actually mm. opened in Freedom Week. Right. Um, so the week that restrictions were um, relaxed and... 
uh, it's it's uh, had a pretty strong start um, through there. It was it was a complete refurbishment, so the Cadogan Arms itself was a was a complete shell. Was it closed? It was a closed site. It's been closed it? for six years, so as is um, quite commonplace in London, particularly uh, the landlords um, who Cadogan say taken back the venue to refurbish um, the floors above. Right. Uh, and uh, separate them for residential, uh, leaving the ground floor and the basement um, fully stripped out. And, and tradition, I think the pub it didn't really have a great deal of um, historic interest inside at the time. It, mm. through, through successive landlords over the years, there wasn't any uh, real architectural relevance left in the building. So mm. um, although the building itself is listed, the internal features, there was nothing of relevance so it had mm. been um, stripped back to a uh, a concrete core which yeah. gave us a complete blank canvas to um, to uh, invest in the fit up right I mean that's, that's that's quite a nice thing to have isn't it it is actually and, and having having also now refurbished a pub um, which did have a lot of internal listed features I, I walked into the George um, and thought you know half of this is done it's great uh, but actually um, it is a far easier uh, builds to have a blank canvas as such, um, right. as opposed to going in and uncovering all of the, uh, you know, every, everything that we lifted up in the George, everything we took off, uncovered a new problem which yeah. had to be fixed. Um, and certainly our, our, our teams um, much preferred the fit out at the Cadogan for that reason. Um, so the, the George is, is your your other site. So, um, so uh, yeah, yeah, second site uh, and uh, opened just before Christmas right okay um, and we, we've done that in two phases so the ground floor opened um, uh, before Christmas the first floor is uh, fully opening the 2nd of March right okay and, I mean so obviously you, you, you took on these projects during the pandemic um, or was this planned before the pandemic I mean talk us through that how, how... so the sites were um, we uh, had uh, kind of plans on the sites pre-pandemic Mm. Um, and then obviously the pandemic happened uh, and then um, I think it, it would be natural to think obviously we had to, to take a step back and, and look at what's what's going on mm. um, it would be natural to be to shy away from it I think mm. uh, in the circumstances but uh, my confidence was certainly buoyed by the general public's um, reaction and reception to pubs on any of the kind of reopening and unlocking phases um, no one seemed to be all that bothered about seeing their grandma after the pandemic all the countdowns were when you could have a pint um, and for me it didn't matter who I spoke to when uh, uh, during during lockdown whether it be an Uber driver or uh, any single person that I spoke to um, about what they were looking forward to when the world reopened and every single person I spoke to said having a pint. Mm. So I think there's very much a case if you don't you don't really know what you've got till it's gone. Mm. And um, you know, even myself included, I'm a publican and have been for ten years. So uh, I didn't realise how much my life revolved around pubs outside of work and how much I would miss the informality and everything that they offer. Mm. So um, there's there's definitely been a renewed sense of. Um, a renewed renew love for the pub um, mm. and, and recognising this great sort of national asset uh, which you know anything that you do if you, you go meet a friend for a walk it's always around a pub you're going to meet someone in town to go and do something where do you meet you meet in a pub mm. and there's something so wonderful and informal about pubs that um, you know when it's gone 
everyone missed it. Uh, imagine if our that. Prime Minister <laughs> <laughs> spoke like that. Yeah. Imagine the change you would have in hospitality. Yeah. You're going to make him out of the government every time, aren't you? Mate, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, but that obviously gave you the confidence to, to, to go ahead to, to, to do these things. I mean, did the did the, the restrictions of the pandemic, how did that complicate the, the, the work? Did it make, did, were there any benefits to that at all? Um, did things get cheaper? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I think, uh, and actually, um, you know, we, we've all heard about uh, price increases um, across the board, and that, that's everything now. So even the difference between doing the Cadogan and the George, there was an uplift in costs um, of raw materials. And actually, particularly with the Cadogan, I, I really feel that if we had started the fit-out um, three or four weeks later, the impact would have been, uh, you know, it, it may have been delayed by months just because the you know, thing, things like just just like brass, for example, yeah. all of our fonts had to be made bespokenly because there weren't any fonts in the UK, things which were initially off the shelf for two weeks suddenly they weren't available and nobody could get hold of brass and the cost of brass went up so um, you know certainly things are getting better now but uh, it's it's you know, we, we know there are increases across the board so um, it certainly hasn't hasn't got cheaper um, and uh, the challenges uh, in terms of getting supplies in were, were, were so great that we did two refurbishments relatively close together and um, learning from the first one, we ordered equipment during the first uh, fit out to be yeah. um, to be delivered for the second one. And, right, okay. know, 12 week wait times were mm. quite normal at that point. And, yeah. um, uh, that's uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a challenge. <laughs> and in terms of the investment, I'm, I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask you how much or anything like that. But how, how are you finding? Yeah, <laughs> pick a figure. Yeah. No, um, I mean, how, how have you funded the investment? Is it just a private investment? I mean, what have you? So private private investment. Um, yeah. The uh, I think the, uh, I I don't think people have invested in pubs um, quite in the way that. that that we have for quite a while and, and when I look at them there's a if, if you're looking at opening a restaurant generally you're you're looking at a, a, a 12 to 3 6 to 10 kind of a time and when you when you take a sort of longer view on pubs they really are remarkable things if you get the balance right you really it's, it's, the, it's the true all day um, dining drinking concept mm. and so uh, I see a return at, uh, at, at four or five o'clock, you know, it's five o'clock and people drinking cocktails at four, four, four thirty on a on a on a Monday, mm. and um, there's there's still service going on. You don't get that in in other industries, so I so I feel comfortable um, that there's a return on it. Um, mm. And you said not many people making investment. I mean, you did, without saying, look, there's significant investment into these sites, isn't it? I mean, you're very much so. Yeah. Um, I'd say, uh, hopefully, the return is uh, is, is also um, great relative to to other comparable investments. I think one thing that we learn early on and um, early on in the process, as you walk into a venue, and certainly with the Cadogan Arms, that was a complete blank shell to start with. As you walk through the door, um, there are so many. Uh, reference points that you get in in um, in pubs that we know and love, 
uh, and the history that they have in them. And those reference points are things like wallpaper, things like the tiles, things like the, the woodwork, things like the panelling, um, Lynn Cruster, wallpaper, um, incredible ornate tiles. All of these uh, points that we kind of take for granted in pubs um, because they've always been there, they're generally listed and uh, you, it makes you feel like you're in a pub mm. straight away. When you try and do that from scratch now, um, the reality was when those were put in place originally by landlords, the breweries were very, very wealthy and the labour was very, very cheap. Um, and so there's a lot of history and a lot of um, uh, historic assets which immediately draw you to think you're a pub. When you put that in from scratch now, a tile costs six, seven pounds. A metre of Lincroster wallpaper is, you know, 400 pounds at, at times. And so um, before you know it, you know, you, you, the, the, the cost, the cost yeah, go up, but yeah. it's exactly those things which make you feel like you're in a pub and not a brasserie, and not a not a bistro, not a restaurant. Yeah. So you 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 don't regret spending. I mean, you could have gone for for a different look and feel. I mean, we see this in, in pubs. Yeah. Pubs can be very different, and modern pubs certainly. You know, the the new builds or new fit as you see are can be anything from kind of very urban and sort of industrial to to more kind of traditional yeah i think i think yeah you're right you can you can um uh you could definitely save money on doing certain things um but going back to my uh, my point earlier that that if you get it right with a pub you really do have um a full all day uh, a concept you're generating revenue all throughout yeah. the day because people fall in if if you go too far down that industrial route or if you go too far down the you know the more modern route um, then you lose that pub charm and you lose that uh, that kind of, that general feeling which is what everybody feels comfortable with there's a timelessness to this sort of design as well isn't there sorry there's a timelessness to it as definitely well. and absolutely 100, 100% and I think I guess one, we, there's a timelessness and there's a, there's a, um, but you also, I guess the, the, the other side of that is you get to pick a, a time when you want to kind of capture. So we yeah. went for kind of like mid Georgian um, here for all of our reference points, which is around the time in the 1850s when the pub um, thrived. But it, it's, it's a classic. And one thing that was quite, uh, I guess, um, it made you feel quite privileged in a way um, was and, and humbled is when we were putting this in we now know that the fit out that we're putting in will probably the, the bare bones of it will be in place here for potentially 30, 40, 50 years you put, you put a, another um, if, if you were to just fit out a restaurant tomorrow what's the lifespan of most restaurants someone goes in strips it out puts something else in yeah, they'll yeah. put the new the new fad in the, yeah. whatever the new fad's going to be in 10 years whereas people um, who come in you know the, the, the carcass of the bar and hopefully the bar itself will stay um, in place for a long time so I've, we've done it now and we've done it for now but there's also a reality that in um, in the future that will um, that, that will be that, that, that needs to be here for a long time so yeah. Something quite humbling about that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And in terms of sort of um, length of time on, on payback, I mean, do you, what what are you expecting? Is it? It's very hard to um, to, to say. I think uh, obviously you, you hope um, that you, you might be looking at three 
three years or so, you want to better that, um, or it could be it could be worse. I think. Um, that's the, how that's patient your investors are, really, isn't it? So, exactly, yeah. yeah. Or you, you, um, you, you, there, there are so many points to this. I'm sure you've been talking throughout the afternoon about all the pressures that, that, that are faced. So cost pressures are there, and, and every, um, you know, every percentage here, there, and everywhere can make a big, a big impact in that. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I mean, for me, that's a good. It's, yeah. it's a good benchmark. Um, if you can do less than that, brilliant. Yeah. If, um, if it's more, uh, so long as you can see growth in it, then that's awesome. And in terms of other sites, I mean, are you are you looking to sort of roll out and, and bring others on board? Yeah, always, always interesting in your sites. In terms of a, um, I think maybe a rollout is the wrong word. Um, I think everybody has seen the the collapse of um, the casual dining market, and that rollout doesn't really work as as well as um, potentially before. The key thing. Um, for me, is the sites have have to have um, they, they have to be interesting. They've got to have uh, a historical um, relevance. I think there's uh, there's a size profile that works. Um, having just done the George, you, you, you see how um, certainly these old pubs that you know, they're expensive to, to do in the right way. If you really want to uh, make the sites work. Um, and uh, get get those returns on investment. Then then there's a significant amount of infrastructure that has to go in to make sure they're capable of. Because um, the George was a shell, wasn't it? It wasn't. The bar was there. I looked at it when it was bought on the market, and I was like, yes. Yeah. Literally, the gas was capped downstairs. And you, tell, like, you were you were oh, re plumbing. Yeah, yeah. You re plumbing that old Definitely. building. Yeah, and it really is old. Yeah. And and, um, and as I said, a shell. It all, that, that's where I guess I when I looked at it to start with, I thought. You know, polish the, the panelling, yeah. get that going, and then you really, you know, uh, you, you start getting uh, the quotes in for what you want to do. And, and I think that, that the key thing being fit, fit for purpose, I've, I've operated pubs for 10 years and uh, operated a lot of older pubs which, um, you know, haven't had, the, I guess, the investment to start with. Um, and they're incredibly charming. Um, for the guests, and there's a lot of uh, aspects to them which um, you know make the guest experience, I guess, from their side, feel like they're in an old pub. But you very much feel like you're in an old pub operating, and being able to build something which you know the dumb waiters in the right place. The, you're, you're building something. The which, plumbing works. The plumbing works. <laughs> you know, the plumbing works. Yeah. The, the you know you've got sufficient. Um, power loading. Yes. Yeah. Uh, all of these things are so important if you really want to drive something to the next step, which ultimately creates um, employment. It complete, uh, creates uh, a lot. It's amazing when I see what we require to run a service throughout the week, and then you can look at another pub which might be fairly similar in size, and there's only two, three people working there. So yeah. there's, there's a lot. There's a lot um, of, uh, of return in, in some of these um, opportunities. But yeah, having having. It's, it, you can't really do it much um, for, for, the, for, the, for the back of house side of things. Yeah. You know, once you part, start putting that infrastructure in, it's very hard to um, uh, to reduce those costs realistically yeah. if you're making something fit for purpose for the next 10, 15 years. Um, and with that comes a, a there, there has to be a certain um, square footage in reality. Yeah. To, uh, a, a dumb waiter that goes up 
three floors, um, you know, you don't really change whether it's for slightly fewer covers or slightly more covers. That doesn't change in costs. Same with extraction. If you're doing an extraction run, those costs don't really change that much. Um, the plumbing is going to be roughly the same. Uh, so uh, that's there's a certain size profile I think you have to do that to work uh, to build something that's right. And, and another important thing now is that um, what we've learned during the last uh, two years, more than ever, is as people have exited our, our sector, um, that our staff welfare is a really important consideration now. And um, I guess it always was for responsible operators, but, but now more than ever, um, you know, why, why would you have a venue that doesn't have a staff room? Why would you have a venue that doesn't have certain facilities for the team? And that's something that going forward, we really need to make sure we factor into every uh, every property feasibility from the get-go. Um, and I think it's something important that the whole industry adopts so that when talking to landlords, they're not assuming that the entire square footage of the venue is going to go towards uh, sales space. Um, if you can't fit a suitable changing room or um, a suitable uh, staff room in, then perhaps that's not an investment that we should be willing to make. Um, and I think that's something that should be adopted now going forward. I guess they're relatively small things that compounded when you add it all together mm. um, it does have an impact in how absolutely absolutely um, conscious we're, we're out of time we probably need to pick over that in a bit more detail and maybe I'll do that down the line but Dom thank you very much for that. my pleasure yeah, thanks Dom cheers Dom thanks You are listening to the Lock In Podcast and we are at the end of this week's episode. Um, I mean, we've been talking about finance um, today. It's, it's an immensely topical subject with everything that's going on. And obviously with, with March coming up, we've got that, that cliff edge of debt facing uh, lots of people. I mean, we've heard quite a lot today, guys. I mean, what, what's, what's been your key takeaways uh, from this? I think if you're getting in trouble and you think you're getting in trouble... Speak to the, you know, get, get in touch with someone soon, sooner than later. Do you know what I mean? I think, like, from the sounds of it, it can be, it can be saved. Like Chris was saying, mm. you know, you can get around it. Yeah, there'll be plenty of bloodthirsty people looking to pick up a bargain as well, so don't fall foul of them by getting your house in order. Mm. Mm. I mean, uh, crowdfunding is that something that you think you would? I still can't explore. I still can't get my. I mean, horses for courses. I get the argument about creating this band of law followers that will extol the virtues of your business and and behave as uh, you know well actually that's the bit that scares me behaving as owners yeah, telling what colour the curtains are yeah. going to be and you just want to punch them in the face yeah. because they're not the ones I mean, know, you, you have that mind. anyway, though, don't you? But I suppose it's yeah, when they've got yeah. a sense of entitlement. No, the, yeah, yeah. Um, even more a, entitlement. Why can't I get a table? I'm one of the owners. You're like, not one of the owners. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? and that's where that's where I think it's that's my issue with it. I think it's disingenuous. You're trying to bill it like them being an owner, but when it comes down to it, you don't view them as that. You know, yeah, I don't know anyone that really engages. Well, I mean, this is, is that that's what's is that what is wrong with crowdfunding? Though? Because if you were an investor, for example, if you had shares, uh, I mean, I've got shares in TSB. I don't walk into a TSB branch and, and demand that they uh, oh, I, I, give I, me I, an office. I could see a cup of coffee. I might try yeah. it. Actually, it's not a bad yeah. idea. Um, Do you know yeah. who I am? Yes, yes, I've got fifty pounds worth of shares <laughs> yeah. in TSB that my mum bought me when I was six. Um, don't look me in the eye, boy. <laughs> I'll try, I'll try that actually. I might try that. But I mean, is, is, you don't get that with, with, with shares, do you? So I mean, is that well, what's no, inherently wrong with crown, or is it the way no, it's, it's sold? No, no, I think it's inherently 
depends on your situation as an operator if you don't want to be told what to do save your money up and do what you can if you have to accelerate your business and want to by taking funding know mm. that the bank will either take it away from you if you screw it up mm. or your investors will want some sort of input whether they're big investors or, or small investors don't mm. kid yourself otherwise you're dancing with the devil yeah. but know you're doing it don't pretend you, you haven't mm. because that's mm. eyes wide open mm. save your money up slow, slow growth or you know commit to something else but know what comes with it yeah yeah simple fantastic and Heath you're going to be training your cleaner to, to switch off the lights right oh man it's a thing though isn't it you know I mean you're trying to you're really like you're, just, you're trying to save pennies but you're losing pounds uh, it's just so yeah, it's like the pennies add up to pounds don't they it's just so expensive though do you know what I mean like yeah if the cleaners did that the staff did that but you know you'd save a fiver yeah exactly the bills have gone up so much it's ridiculous and we know that's not going to be held at 12.5% Kate Nichols will send out loads more texts and tweets about it and mm. all that and make us feel like we've got some some voice but we don't yeah you know so I don't know yeah. sorry to be doom and gloom but I think we're fucked well, I'll change uh, change uh, <laughs> anything from normal there Heath I think um, I mean one, one of the key takeaways I would say that I've learned from recording this podcast is not to sit James in a window of a pub on the uh, King's Road because he's very easily distracted <laughs> keeps on looking at guys in uh, fancy coats yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just the guys he keeps looking at Heath oh really um, oh. like a meerkat over here <laughs> I haven't listened to a word you two have said all day. <laughs> it's, it's the licking of the window that yeah. worries me, James. Just dying um, up the third wife. <laughs> On Valentine's so, Day of Valentine's all days. Day. Yeah, so uh, hot dates lined up then, boys? I'm like, yep, yep, yep. I'm going to work no. tonight so I don't have to com- listen to her complain that I've done nothing for Valentine's Day. Brilliant. So while you've Excellent. been talking, Ed, I'm pretty much going, yep. Yeah. No, really should be wearing a mask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Five out of ten. <laughs> oh, Edward, these aren't pieces of meat walking past. These are someone's, you know, someone's I, children. I was talking about that people. No, 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 children. What I mean that, I mean they're like older kids. Like, oh, I don't know. Jesus. Oh, I think I'm now I've offended to, the religious yeah, people. I might oh, have no. to wind this one up now. I think that's uh, it's probably going to be safe, isn't it? Um, well, we, we talked about winding up businesses today. Uh, we so haven't talked about winding up businesses. That's the final podcast. So there we go. Yes. Yeah, the, last, <laughs> the last one. No, it isn't. We will be back in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, we haven't actually decided what we're going to talk about, but it'll probably involve pubs, I imagine. Lawsuits. Uh, lawsuits from resulting from this one, possibly, yeah. as well. But uh, thank you guys for that. Probably be um, in war by then, Ed, so... Yeah. Well, that's cheerful from Heath. Uh, <laughs> nice note to end on. Yeah. Thanks for the front much. line. See you in a couple of weeks. Yeah.